0: I haven't arrived, I'm not super successful, I'm just real. Yeah. Welcome to the Beautiful Project Podcast. What's it going to take for you, like you said, to see me? How? I don't understand. A place for ordinary women sharing extraordinary truths. I am fat, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm so much, you know, I'm learning to tell myself that I am so much more. Let my hair grow out. I can wear the clothes I want to wear. I can eat what I want to eat. Who are waiting for you to be their witness. If I can do anything, I want to be able to inspire people to just be their best. Welcome back to The Beautiful Project podcast. I'm Sarah Stevens, the founder of The Beautiful Project and your host for this podcast. It's uh, yet again been a minute since I've been here with all of you. The truth is, the last couple of years have been, um, well, a bit of a shit show on pretty much every level, which has indeed spilled over to my work with The Beautiful Project. In the beginning, this idea, this concept, this space, it was born out of this sincere desire for women to have a space to tell their body stories. And what happened to me from the very beginning is that the project sort of took on my personality. It took on my story primarily. Even though I would bring guests to the microphone and invite their stories, inevitably the project continued to center on me. And it was very clear to me from the beginning that this is not why the beautiful project wanted to be made real it was always intended to be a bigger, broader space. So I came up with all sorts of ideas about how it is that we could make that happen, and it seemed that every time I tried to advance a new idea, it just hit this wall, um, and I've learned over time that when things hit a wall that way, we have a couple of options. Uh, we can knock the wall down, and in this culture, we're sort of taught that that's the admirable thing to do you know, a barrier presents itself. You should just obliterate it. Um, I think in my 20s I might have done that, but I also would have fucked some shit up in the process. And today, in my 40s, I know that typically now when obstacles present themselves, it's my job to discern whether or not they're there for me to scale them or if they're intended to send me a different direction. And so where I've landed about the obstacles that have presented themselves to me in relationship to the project is that they were there to send me a different direction. The challenge with that is uh, if you don't know what direction to head next, then you just kind of freeze for a while, which is where I've been. But the thing I knew for sure is that I needed this to be about us, not about me. And to do that, I knew that I needed to invite other voices in. And so I've just kind of been waiting to see what that looks like. And then, I don't know, maybe a couple months ago, I don't know, time is all fucked up now too. I can't ever figure out if it was last week or last year that something happened. But sometime within the last two weeks to 12 months, I'm not sure, uh, I had a conversation with my dear friend Terry, who's been a guest on the podcast a couple of times. And basically from this conversation, what became very clear was the direction that we needed to go next. So The Beautiful Project started as this storytelling collective that centered my story. And where we want to go next is that we get to hand The Beautiful Project off to another woman for her to be able to tell her story for any period of time that she'd like to sort of be that main central focus and the first woman. Um, who will be invited into that space to do just that is Terry. So, Terry is with me today. Hi. 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 You're so tight. Hi. Hi. Yeah, that's me, tiny. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. Quiet. Um, So, if you've hung out with us before, you know that Terry and I can have a real good time um, over the microphone, (laughs) and I'm certain we will today. But I am, mm, I don't have the right word, like honored slash grateful slash sort of like nervous or something terrified Ter- uh, yeah right <laughs> about um it's kind of like handing over your baby right uh I like babies I'll be that's okay so good I mean you're such <laughs> you're the best mama so I am absolutely certain that my baby is in good hands um And I will stay close in a supportive role with the project, but the idea that we have here is kind of like the thing I keep saying is Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, which was (laughs) some dumbass movie from early 2000s. I don't think
1: I ever saw it. What
0: is wrong with you? I
1: I was like 25. I wasn't watching Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. (laughs) That's
0: unfortunate. (laughs) I feel like everyone should go out and stream it immediately. I will watch it this weekend. Okay, good. Actually, it's 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 about this pair of pants that, um, for whatever reason, fits all four of these different um, women, or young women, yeah. and they're all different body sizes, right? So I love that analogy, actually, because yeah. um, this space can expand and contract to whoever is in it in whatever way that it needs to in order to hold space for the story. So um, Terry will run the show here uh, for as long as she wants to, and then... I am certain that in that experience, someone in Terry's world will be the next person in line to use this space to tell their truth. So, all the things, gratitude, honored, terrified, that's how I am today. I'm wondering how you are today. Well, it's been a morning, but (laughs) (laughs) um, I'm
1: excited. I think that, you know, um, I've loved the beautiful project. I've loved listening to these podcasts and hearing these stories. And I also know you pretty well. So I heard your voice all the way through it. And I think that, you know, there are things that we can look at. I mean, you and I have very similar takes on body image, but you know, we grew up very differently and we experienced that very differently. And just like everybody else, so let's explore that. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's explore how it affected me, and I'm hoping, when people are listening, they're thinking, hey, I wanna do this next. Um, Because I think there's things that, you know, a lady said to me the other day at a meeting that I can't mention that I go to, because it's anonymous, (laughs) that um, (laughs) she said, I get really frustrated because we never talk about real stuff. Mm -hmm. We talk about like, the surface stuff mm-hmm. and we don't talk about the real stuff and you know I was th- and you know obviously I'd already been thinking about that because we'd had this conversation and I thought you know what we don't mm-hmm. we don't talk about how to talk to your spouse about money or how you know if you grew up differently um, how that you know how you use money and things like that we don't talk about sex we don't talk about mm-hmm trauma we don't talk about all of these things and you know part of that is I think like we're kind of like the Gen Xers are kind of that first generation that have been talking about this stuff Mm -hmm. and the parents of and grandparents of us are like oh my god you can't talk about that in public but there's so much stuff that you know I know from knowing you you don't want this to you know leak on your kids I don't want this to leak on my kid Mm -hmm. and so you know trauma and you know, family issues and let's talk about social justice issues and how we can, you know, as white women mm-hmm. affect our, our black female friends and how we can change things. And I am really interested in having difficult conversations mm-hmm. for lack of a better term. And, you know, I know a lot of people who are experts in a lot of these things and
0: mm-hmm. that's who I want to hear from. Awesome. Awesome you know one of the things that was always hard for me is that all of those things matter all the things you just listed matter to me how the project started was in relationship to um to my body to my experience relating back to my body to cutting the ties with diet culture to all of those pieces right and that one of the the challenges I've had over time is that the core of that message is still the core. And, and it, it's the way that it presented itself to me. Right. Right. So to me, I had to start with ditching diet culture yeah. because being obsessed with shrinking my body shrunk every other part of my life. But the things that followed from there, the healing that followed from there in relationship to my family of origin, um, I got sober. Like all of these things, it was like the diet thing was the first domino. Right. And it it has hit every other space in my life, but I could not always figure out how to be expansive in that storytelling here because what people expect from me now is that I'm anti-diet. I am anti-diet. Who isn't? Right. (laughs) And if you're not, you should be. Yeah. Um, But it's so much bigger than that. I've started to talk in my own personal social media spaces about broadening it to understand it as coming home to yourself. And that is so much bigger than what you eat and how you move and whether or not you care about the size of your pants, right? Right. Um, But it has to start somewhere. And so I love this idea because it allows the story to become as expansive as it was always intended to be. Without me boxing it in with how pe- what people expect from me, right? Because they definitely expect a particular message. Well,
1: and I think that you know, yours started with diet culture. Mm-hmm. Mine started from a different point. Mine started with trauma, mm-hmm. and I had to deal with trauma mm-hmm. before I could deal with body image issues. With yep. until I could deal with sobriety issues. Until I could deal with those things. Um, I had a friend reach out to me yesterday. She's a um, a nurse practitioner and specializes in psychiatry and. She said, "In dealing with your trauma in the early days, what were some of the resources that you used other than um, therapy?" And I'm like, honestly, it took me almost two years of intensive therapy to get to a point where I could look at other things like books and, you know, um, and you know, now I've been doing, I think, five years of intensive weekly therapy, mm-hmm. and am just in the last couple, getting to... All these other issues that have been affected by that trauma, but that trauma was so overbearing mm-hmm. that I couldn't see all the pieces of it. I just saw trauma. Yep. And to see where all these things, like all the all the dumb things I do or the stupid things I say, I'm like, oh, hey, trauma. <laughs> like, right. You know. And yeah. so, um, well, you and I have very similar backgrounds. We also don't, mm-hmm. and that's the the story that I think we want to tell is you know, we're all trying to get to the same place. We are. I, I don't know what that place is. Dollywood, maybe. Um, <laughs> sounds like heaven to me. I'd go.
0: Yeah. See, pack it up.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we all have these, this
0: baggage that let's talk about it. I do think <clears throat> that the destination is, is back to ourselves. I think yeah. there's this, like trauma fracturing with yourself. Um, and I think, you know, like you said, the for you, the issue centered in your trauma. For me, the issue centered in I was too fat always. Mm-hmm. Didn't matter the size of my body. And so that was the dominant right. uh, thread. Ultimately, both of those things kept us from ourselves yeah. always, right? Um, so tell me, where do you think you want to start with, like, what what is in store for our audience coming up?
1: You know, I talked to some friends and I said, what do you guys want to talk about? Anything you want to talk about? They mentioned, you know... Um, embracing downtime like Mm -hmm. this idea that women have to work a full-time job and then raise their kids and you know do all these things and this you know it's this I hate this term self-care like oh it's gotten just oh it's so gross what have we done to it it's (laughs) so terrible it is it really is the idea of it is great Mm -hmm. but what it's, it's kind of become like diet culture. It's like just gross now. Mm -hmm. How can we make money on people (laughs) trying to just
0: relax? We commodify everything. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And you know, as a parent, I feel guilt about things that I don't do for my kid or I don't, you know, Mm -hmm. and let's talk about that. Let's talk about what self-care for lack of a better term looks like. Um, I know friends have said to me, like, you know, I feel guilty if, you know, it's a Saturday and I just lay around and read a book and don't play with my kid. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, in what I've learned from my experience is if I don't take that time, I'm not a very good mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, my kid probably doesn't want to be around me that much when I'm like that anyway, mm-hmm. and or at all, because he's seven and he doesn't, <laughs> you know, he doesn't want me around. But um, I just think there, you know, so that's something that I would like to talk about. Um, something I've been kind of, struggling with over the last few years is kind of spirituality and faith. Mm. Um, you know, so that's something that I want to
0: talk about. If you want a guest back for that spirituality conversation, I know somebody. It's I, me. I, okay. yeah. I mean, I don't have to come back. I just... I also thought about your wife. Oh, see, <laughs> goddammit. She'd be really good to talk. Yeah, yeah. Or, or both, you know. No, I'm it's fine. Of you. It's fine. It yeah. should be her, and she's very... Um, Uh, She's great at holding that sort of pastoral space around discovery. Yeah. Because she's a pastor. I'm not a pastor. I just sit in my backyard and worship at the altar of Mary Oliver. It's fine. You know, I mean, whatever works. Yeah, no, it's good.
1: Yeah, I just think there's so many things like, you know, work-life balance. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about, um, you know, I have a lot of friends with girls, Mm -hmm. you know, and those girls are getting to the age where body image is... Mm -hmm. You know, my my best friend lives in Florida. Her daughter is in fourth grade and she's got very long legs. And she said, and Samantha said to me, I can't wear girls' shorts Mm -hmm. because they're so short. Mm -hmm. And, you know, let's talk about that body image with girls. Let's talk about, I mean, I don't care what we talk about. Let's talk about the things that nobody's talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think that I've only really come to know myself really well in probably the last three years mm-hmm. um, because I had this you know I had to play these roles mm-hmm. um, and you know I've finally like learned how to be vulnerable which I don't like um, I've learned how to deal with feelings which I really don't like <laughs> and as my therapist likes to tell me, I'm now tender which I really hate
0: <laughs> but we won't tell anyone except for everyone that's we right. also right. know it's very true. so
1: yeah. So I just, you know, I, I thought about who I would want to talk to, and I have these friends that are just amazing that are experts in all these things I don't know anything about. Oh, I love that. So let's talk about it.
0: Um, my, one of my original lines that came to me was, ordinary women, extraordinary truth, right? That was one of the first, yeah. like, lines, and where you're headed is that. It is, um, you know, we live in this super-saturated podcast culture, especially on the other side of the pandemic, Um, celebrities, people with a lot of money and resources got bored and couldn't leave their house. So everybody launched a podcast, right? So now there is this like, the market has gotten cornered with uh, a really high production value and big names attached to podcasts. And that's how we decide who to listen to. And I get that because I do that myself. Right. Okay. So guilty as charged. And I think we are missing something super important in the quote, ordinary voices. Like I am I am an expert in a whole fuck ton of things. Um I'm not on a billboard anywhere, right. right? And I just think there's something deeply wise about that. I've always thought it that the thing that we're looking for, that aha moment, it's it might be in Glennon's podcast or it could be in a real deep conversation with somebody you're close to. Right. And so to amplify that, to amplify ordinary voices, I'm
1: in. Well, and, and, you know, I mean, God bless Glennon. Yeah. I think she really, you know, Glennon and Brené really opened up that window for, for women to talk about these things, Mm -hmm. but there's still a lot of talk at the surface. I agree. Um, I don't think Brené and Glennon are talking at the surface, but I think women still talk at the surface. And I think there's too many women who don't realize that they're fucking amazing. Like they're just like, what, it's just my job. It's just, no, it's not. It's, what you're doing is changing lives. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, I think that's, that's who I want to talk to. I mean, I know these people are amazing. I want everybody else to know these people are amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I have a friend who has always been very thin and has some, you know, what, what do they call it? Um, why is my brain dead, Sarah? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Like dysfunctional eating and, you know, weird things around food. And, you know, we've talked about it. It's orthorexia or or disordered eating. Disordered eating. That's what I was thinking of. Mm -hmm. And although we have very different body types, when we talk about these things, we have very similar feelings about these things. And that has helped me because, you know, I was always like, well, I'm a fat lady, so, you know, screw you skinny ladies. But I'm realizing the the difficulties that they had as well. Um, I will tell you that I have been, because you suggested it, and this same friend suggested it, to listen to Maintenance Phase, and I've been listening to that, and I'm like, I almost called you and said, let's not do this, because we're never going to be better than these people. I know. Like, I, I (laughs) they're so amazing. They are so amazing. But they're talking about that stuff that, you know, I, I think Aubrey Gordon's getting very, like, how this feels. Yes. And I don't think that, women in bigger bodies have been given permission to say, hey, this feels shitty Mm -hmm. when you say this stuff, or this feels shitty when this is how you advertise. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we're supposed to take that as, well, you're fat. That's what you deserve. Absolutely. And, you know, I never thought of thin women having the same issues. Oh, yeah. I just never considered that that was, you know, because you're told if you're thin, you're happy.
0: Right. Yeah. I discovered that on the front side, honestly, of this in holding space for other women's stories, one of the things that I used to say all the time that does not escape my lips one time since then is uh, she needs to eat a sandwich. Mm -hmm. I will never say that shit ever, ever again. Right. Like, The thing I know for certain is that this culture is brutal on bodies. All the bodies. This culture is brutal. I've, over time, had had these experiences where men have, well, I have like, you know, seven men who follow me, and they're all like... (laughs) This is us too, you know, and can can we have space and i i pre- and i want to i do want to I think they should have space too. I think this has always been about everybody belonging, so the more we can center the conversation to understand that it is that the same fat phobia or anti fat bias that plagues my life also plagues a thin woman because now she has to live her entire life to avoid getting fat. Right. Right. That's literally the purpose of her life.
1: Well, and I think that we've been sold this, it's us against them thing. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, in talking to my friends in smaller bodies, they're like, we're feeling the same thing. So, you know, I, it was kind of a revelation to me, like, it's not us against them. Mm -hmm. This is how they make their money. Yes. If you make us enemies, this is how you make your money. Um, And, you know, I think... As you know, I have a son with autism and I've seen that happen in that community. Like people will label something for autistic people and it suddenly becomes expensive and you have to have it. And, yep. you know, and I just I, I don't think any of I think we all know that we're affected by this advertising and this message that we're getting. But I don't think we realize how much it's become a part of us. Like we hate it, but we repeat it and we do it. Everywhere. And it's just an example. Um, So my son has autism. He is Mm non-speaking, meaning he does not verbalize. He he says a couple words, but he doesn't verbalize. He uses a device to speak. So he was diagnosed when he was 26 months old. He's now seven. Um, At that time, I mean, I'm a nurse. I knew nothing about autism. I have a strict rule. I don't take care of patients under the age of 18. I don't want to deal with kids. Um, After having a kid, I realized I don't like kids. I just like mine. Like, otherwise, not a big fan of children. Um, But I've started listening more to this, like, kind of first generation of autistic adults who are saying, what you're being told in how to deal with autism is abusive and awful to us. This is how it felt. And so, like, Um, I know with autism, you a lot of times see the picture or the puzzle pieces, Mm -hmm. and this community is saying, we're not missing a piece. Mm. This is an offensive image, image, and we're not missing a piece. We don't need to be fixed. We don't need to be Mm. cured, and they, you know, it's, they don't want to be called someone with autism. They want to be called autistic, because that's who they are. It's part of their identity, Mm -hmm. and it's not... It's not something that we need to fix, it's just the way they operate. We often explain it to like our our nieces and nephews as it's their operating system. You know, he's using a Mac, you're using Windows. Like, Mm -hmm. that's all it is. Mm -hmm. And it has changed so much about how I work with my son and who I have work with my son. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I just think we're not listening to the right people because the right people don't have the money and the power and the ability yeah. to get that message
0: out. Absolutely. Yeah, I um, one of the mm-hmm. things you mentioned, maintenance phase, one of the things that Aubrey says often is, um, like, listen to fat people. Right. When you want, if you want to talk about fatness, listen to fat people. Yeah. We're not, we're not lying. We're not like, you know, all yeah. the things that come with sort of the bias there, and I'm hearing the same thing in that story. Um, listen to the people living with the lived experience, right? right? Which is what you're which is really what you're proposing um, that this conversation becomes, yeah, listen to the people with the lived experience
1: and that's that's what I hope it it will become, is that we can, you know, identify people that need to tell a story and let's tell the story.
0: I love it because that I mean, really, truly, that was always the core of this whole thing for me. I wanted exactly that. I think I've told the story before about where it really did like the podcast idea came from. I was sitting in O'Hare Airport and there was this woman, um, like across a food court or something. And she was in, like, it was obvious that she was traveling for work. She was in very buttoned up clothing. She was in a little bit of a bigger body. And she kept, she was on the phone. There was a lot of, like, gesturing. And she kept tugging at her jacket to pull it over her belly. And I was like, I just had this, it was like a freeze frame moment where I was like, I want to, I want to hear her story, just her story. I, I can intuit a lot of things about her right. story from just watching her for a second. And I wanted to give her a microphone. And so I think about her a lot. And um, the idea was always to amplify that ordinary voice. So I am pretty fucking excited that that's where we are I am added. also
1: pretty fucking excited. Awesome. Um, I, My friends who are listening may go, oh shit, she's going to call me and make me, make me do this. Indeed. And yes, I am. <laughs>
0: And you will be just fine.
1: And I don't take no for an answer, so. <laughs> it's very tender of you. It's very tender of me. I will be very tender in, uh-huh. in all. Yeah. So how are you feeling about this moving?
0: Mm. Um, truly excited. I mean, I really am excited. There is an enormous, it feels like a lifting of a weight, if I'm being honest. It's a weird thing to know that this idea was given to you to be made and that you did your job there. And then to have it hit this holding pattern has been excruciating. I mean, if we'll, you know, let's go under the surface. Many, many times I'm like, I'm failing this idea and I don't, it's going to make me cry. Um,
1: don't do that. Cause I'm a joiner.
0: You're fine. <laughs> uh, I wanted to be faithful to this idea since the second it came to me. And so the silence, the spaces where I couldn't see what it needed to become were so painful. I, um, in the beginning I couldn't even sit with how painful they were. So I tried to come up with something new and inventive. And then I stopped doing that cause I was like, it's not fucking working. So it'll let me know when it's ready. And, um, so really what I hope is that I've just been a good steward, a good parent, a good caretaker of this idea. And that, um, this space always knows that it is like my heart. I mean, it's literally I tat like, I've literally tattooed this logo over my heart. Um, it will always be my heart. And the idea that it could live on far beyond me, oh, my God. I want, I've want i always wanted it to live on far beyond me, right. to stop being about me, to be so much bigger and broader than that. Well,
1: and I think that, you know, in the beginning, you probably didn't think that you would hand it off. No. But... I don't think either of us would be here if it hadn't come to you in the first place, right. that, you know, we saw where this could go. And, and one of the things I always appreciate about you is that it's usually never surface, you mm-hmm. know, when we're having a conversation. Yeah. And so we were able to sit down and have that conversation and say, why isn't this working? Where mm-hmm. is this going? Mm-hmm. Who do we know? What can we do? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you're super busy and CEOing and all those things, but... Uh, that noise you being responsible like a responsible adult (laughs)
0: super irritating seriously I mean you know and that's actually someday that might be a really great conversation to have we have this creator culture this creative culture now where we have to turn everything we love into a side hustle and we have to figure out how to monetize it and takes all the joy out of it I'd love to have that conversation because there's so much fucking pressure on creatives to figure out how to make a living doing the thing you love, and then all of a sudden you fucking hate the thing that you used to love. Right. And then there's a feeling of guilt and remorse when you go back to earning money, um, from like working for somebody else, like you failed something. It is a whole ass thing. It may not be a part of what the stories you want to tell, but if somebody wants to talk about it, I um, am in because it's, you know, you joke about the CEOing, and it's fine, and I am grateful. I can go through that list of truths. And also, I miss the space to just create all day right. about things that really matter to me. This, And really, when I say that, it's this. This has always been, since the moment it proposed to be made real, it is the first thing I think about. It is the first thing I've thought about every day since. So I'm sure there is more for me around this, around women not, not just women. Actually, I truly believe this message is for everybody. Um, and I'll keep telling my story in my way. Right? Oh, you're not going anywhere. We're keeping you around. Okay, good. That's
1: <laughs> um, good. And I don't, you know, you mentioned like all of the podcasts now, which is, mm-hmm. I mean, it's saturated. Oh, there God. are so many podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the ones that I really love is uh, My Favorite Murder. Mm. And they were one of those that like, you know, came out and it just blew up and became huge. And in the last like during COVID, I've been really impressed with them that they just kind of took a break. Mm -hmm. And they said, like, they started playing like live shows or old shows or had guests. And one of the things they were, you know, they just were admitting that this is a lot. Like they'd become famous overnight. Mm -hmm. Like they couldn't walk down the street. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that became kind of this whole separate burden Yes, now they're financially well off and they're, you know, it's not anything they ever imagined. But that didn't magically make it easy and erase all the stuff that goes with it. And so I've been really impressed watching them go, hey, we need a break. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. and kind of like implying that, hey, we need a break from you guys. (laughs) Like, we're not here to, like, fix you. Yeah we're just
0: here to tell you about murder.
1: Absolutely.
0: <laughs> like this isn't Absolutely. therapy. And there is, God, I mean, and um, my work really had a, its impact has been primarily in the local community. So I can understand that on a very tiny scale. And the pressure of that, of it is, even on a teeny tiny scale yeah. for me, was enough to go, I don't even know if I, I, that's a lot. Well,
1: I'm sure every time you go somewhere, oh, somebody wants to have a conversation about it.
0: Yep. And I'm yeah. still just a I'm just a I'm still just a woman in a fat body like just trying to
1: You are Sarah fucking Stevens <laughs> and don't you forget it.
0: <laughs> Dear god. Well, on that note.
1: Not Although just... I would like to identify like Aubrey Gordon and just be um a fat woman about town. I love that. <laughs> that is just going to be yeah. my
0: so obviously we're big fans of Maintenance Phase Podcast. Um, yeah, Aubrey Gordon, if you hear this, we'd love to have you on. Yeah, oh God, <laughs> can you imagine? But seriously, if you want to deconstruct, particularly deconstruct diet culture, Oh yeah. it is the most well done um, because it's science-backed. It's not just anecdote, but it's also very entertaining yeah. in the anecdote. Very and good, and that research is solid. solid. Yeah. And it's not just for women, it's for everybody. Yeah. So um, I did want to sort of pitch or plug that. Um, okay, do you have anything else? I don't think so. All right, well, um, this is the handoff of my baby, and I am confident I'll make some sort of cameo appearances from time to time, but um, Terry's in charge. This is uh My wife just shuddered <laughs> <laughs>
1: Things Terry should not be in charge is at the top of the list. <laughs> I
0: think it's great. Um, and I am honored and excited to see what this space becomes. And I am grateful and honored that you have given me this opportunity. Thank you, friend. Thank you. That's it for today's episode. Thank you for being willing to be a witness to these women and to their stories. If you loved today's episode, be sure to subscribe and write a review. And most importantly, invite the women you know to join this chorus of courage and help us make a world where everybody belongs. I'll see you all soon.